0: You're listening to Living in His Love on The Answer Broadcasting with the Reverend Trudy Daly. Now, let's prepare
1: to hear this week's message.
0: Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit to guide and direct this program. May all that is said and done be truthful and loving and reflect your word and your ways. Open the ears and hearts of those listening, that they might be blessed by what is said. Help each listener to know and understand how much you love them, and that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to save them, and that you want to help them in every situation in their lives. Amen.
1: We're going to continue the message from last week. In John 3, 4, we see Nicodemus his mistake was trying to understand Jesus' words by natural terms. "'What do you mean?' Exclaimed, exclaimed Nicodemus. "'How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again?' Nicodemus was a leader, a Pharisee, and a leader of the law. They were very knowledgeable with head knowledge. People sought them out to look, and looked up to them for wisdom and knowledge." Even so, he was making a big mistake. Many of the Pharisees at, the, at that time failed to see spiritually. They saw literally, historically, and religiously to the letter of the law. Continuing in John 3, 5, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. Those who are not born again cannot see spiritual truths. Their understanding is stuck in the physical realm that we live in by what they see with their physical eyes. There is no more... There is so much more than the physical world, which is passing away. Spiritual things are everlasting. It is a whole different world when the Holy Spirit wakes up our spirit man and opens our spiritual eyes to understanding. Now, instead of being led by our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, we are now led by our spirit man, When we're born again, our spirit man follows Holy Spirit where it should be. Uh, Sometimes, you know, if we're feeding our soul more than our spirit by partaking of more worldly things and not feeding our spirit by prayer, worship. reading the word, receiving communion. Our spirit man kind of takes a back seat to the our um, soul. And our mind, will, and emotions, we are led by them. And that's uh, really the area that the enemy will attack. So we don't want to be led by that. And we don't want our spirit man, we want to keep that spirit man strong. And we don't want it taking a back seat to our soul. So if we're feeding our soul more than our spirit, it kind of falls asleep. Let's take a quick prayer right now and pray for our spirit. Let's pray right now. Lord, we speak to our spirit man to wake up. Wake up in Jesus' name. Lord, we speak to our soul to step back right now and allow our spirit man to lead us in Jesus' name. We command our spirit man to step forward and to lead us by the Holy Spirit from this day forward to the end of our days. We say, wake up. Wake up in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I used to have healing rooms, and people would come in and they would say they didn't even know if they were born again anymore because they were so dry and empty. Being led by our soul will cause us to be dry and our spirit to be weak. So we would just fan the flame and pray for them. And they would come back to life and thrive in the, in the Lord. So back to this group of people that Jesus was dealing with. They were making the same mistake that Nicodemus was making by taking Jesus' words to be physical and natural, which would mean cannibalism. And in the physical sense, it does mean cannibalism, but it is not natural, but it's spiritual and supernatural. We cannot see spiritually or the kingdom of God without being born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. We cannot have eternal life within us if we do not eat the flesh and drink his blood. I'm not saying this. Jesus said this. It's part of the new covenant. He is saying that it has properties of life, eternal life, spiritual life, spiritual light. Our blood has life properties too. Remember Cain and Abel? Abel's blood cried out from the ground. Life properties. But Jesus' blood has eternal life properties. In Matthew 13:10, when Jesus was speaking in parables and the disciples asked him, "Why does he speak to the crowds in parables?" Jesus said, "To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God; to them it had not been granted." So not everyone has their eyes open to hear the message that Jesus tells. And not everyone's eyes is open to the communion message. Mark 4.1 in the Amplified Bible says, While being able to see, they do not see. While hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand and grasp spiritual things. This is exactly what I'm saying. Many today are not grasping this truth because it's spiritual, not physical. The spiritual attributes are much more than the mere physical bread and juice or wine. The other problem they had with Jesus' teaching is the fact that they had been taught from the law in Leviticus 17.10 and 11, that they were forbidden to drink blood because of the physical life properties in the blood. Life is in the blood. Many think communion is unimportant, merely symbolic, not realizing spiritual is every bit as real and even more real than the physical. This is one of the reasons they fail to understand Jesus' Jesus's meaning. Some say the bread and wine only symbolizes or only represents Jesus' flesh and blood. It represents something real. It actually points to what is in the spiritual realm. It points to the Last Supper. It points to the Passover. It points to when we drink of the cup with Jesus in heaven at our marriage celebration. It points to healing. It points to salvation. It takes faith to believe Jesus. He did not use those words to confuse anyone. He wanted everyone to know the seriousness of what he was saying and wanted them to understand the significance of the elements. In the Old Testament, Exodus 16 speaks of manna. Jesus said he was the manna. We did not know that till he told us. In Exodus 24, 8 and 9, there was a bread of presence. Some versions call it show bread or shoe bread. This bread of presence is in Leviticus 24, 8 and 9. The bread of presence was set before the lamp, the menorah in the holy place. The bread of presence in Hebrew is called *lechem panim, which literally translates, it means bread of faces. The face of God is revealed in the bread. The Jews call it the bread of presence. The eating of the bread of, pre- of presence was by the priests, and they were partaking of the very presence of God. We receive communion as the priests partook of the bread of presence. May we see the face of God. The bread of presence was foretelling of, Jesus's, of Jesus and the presence in communion. So listen to this. The bread lays in the very presence of God for a week where he manifests himself in the Holy of Holies marinating in the glorious presence of God it is so holy it becomes sacred that only the high priests and the priests can eat of that holy marinated bread of the Holy Presence of God Peter one Peter two nine and Revelation one ten says we are priests as royal priesthood it is our duty to consume the bread of presence Jesus is the bread of the presence Jesus is the bread of presence he is the presence of God he and the holy Holy Spirit imparts eternal life he imparts healing from the shed blood of the cross. The Lord's Supper is the new covenant's bread of presence. The visible bread and wine or juice is the visible sign of the invisible holy presence of God. I'm going to repeat that. The visible bread and wine or juice is the visible sign of the invisible holy presence of God. It's, it's hidden. John six sixty three, When Jesus said, This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world, many of his followers were offended. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. They aren't a sign or remembrance. They aren't natural words, but they are spirit and life. You can only see spiritual truths by divine revelation. Many at that time could not see it. That made it sound like blasphemy. Many of us today cannot see the fullness of the truth either, and we shudder at the thought. Let's look at John six sixty. Many of his disciples said, "This is very hard to understand. who can How can anyone accept it? The amplified Bible says, "This is a hard and difficult and strange saying, an offensive and unbearable message. Who can stand to hear it? Who can be expected to listen to such a teaching? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think of when the Son of Man ascends to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are Spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. Jesus knew from the beginning which ones did not believe. He knew who would betray him. Then he said, That is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you going to leave too? Then Simon replied, Lord, to whom would we would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the holy one of God. That is so powerful. Here's the thing. We did not we do not see Jesus running after them. No, not really. That's not what I meant. Come back. He was losing many over it. He said to his disciples who were practically the only ones left. Maybe they were the only ones left. Does this offend you? Are you going to leave too? He meant what he said. It was a spiritual truth that could not be rationalized or explained away. This is what blows me away, that he allowed everyone to leave, and he allowed his close twelve to leave too. Had they chosen that, if they could not handle this one thing... That is how important this teaching was. There might only be one chapter in the scriptures on this subject. Um, There would be a little bit more. We'll go into that later. But it's a powerful teaching. If there's one thing I've learned, it's that we are not to limit God by our own understandings and mindsets. Don't draw the line. Don't put up walls if you don't understand something. His ways are much higher than our ways. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. He saved us by the blood. Let's look at the first place in the Bible where he speaks about blood. It's a very interesting passage that I I mentioned it um, before when Cain killed his brother Abel in Genesis 4.10. But the Lord said, What have you done? Listen to your brother's blood cries out from the ground to me. Must be Cain had the ability to hear because God invited him to listen. We learn something about the blood. It lives on after the body dies and the spirit is gone. Life is in the blood. What is it crying out? Truth and justice? What was the blood saying to God? It was giving witness to the truth when Cain was hiding the truth from God. As if any of us could ever hide anything from God. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one whom we are accountable. It makes me think of the millions of aborted babies, all that innocent shed blood. Oh, the sound of the blood crying out to God from all those babies, from our soil, our country's land, and even the world. It makes a horrible sound in the Lord's ears. Jesus' blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. His blood covers, cleanses, and removes the sins from curses that have uh, affected our DNA. It justifies us. God's way of cleansing the sinner is by the blood of Jesus, the shed blood on the cross. It cleanses us completely and brings us into right fellowship with God. This same blood of Jesus keeps us clean from all sin. The blood is on the mercy seat. Jesus is the mercy seat, the fulfillment of what the Old Testament mercy seat was pointing to. Jesus' spilt blood was once and for all. There's no need to sacrifice animals on the temple. When the new temple is built, there's no need because Jesus' blood was shed. What part of Jesus' shed blood did it not cover? The Messiah does not need to repeatedly offer himself year after year. One sacrifice for all, all peoples, all sins, all sicknesses.
0: Dear listeners, thank you for sharing this time together with us. We ask God to bless you, heal you, and to provide, protect, and prosper you. May God allow you to experience more and more of his love for you. We pray that this week's message has touched you in a powerful way. To connect with us online
1: visit us at theanswerbroadcasting.com.